Hello, and welcome to the Carl Road Baptist Church podcast. Be sure to listen all the way through to the end of the episode for additional info on where to find more resources for past sermons, as well as how to watch us live each Sunday if you can't join us in person at our Columbus, Ohio location. Let's prepare to hear this week's sermon and listen for what God is saying to you and what he wants to do in your life. We were um, wanting to make this kind of a back-to-church Sunday, and I think we succeeded. It's wonderful to see this many gathered together to worship the Lord. Amen? Amen. Celebrate Easter Day. Yeah. Hey, would you pray with me for just a moment? Father God, we want to thank you for a beautiful Easter morning, the opportunity to witness baptisms, sing great songs of faith, um, listen to wonderful music sung to us. And Lord, now we have an opportunity to look into your word and remember again why the resurrection is so important to us. Lord, we bring ourselves before you in praise and thanksgiving. And we're grateful, Lord, that even on this day, we can bring our needs and concerns before your throne of grace and know that you care. So Lord, I pray for any person in our room today, those listening online, who are heavy of heart for some reason, that, Lord, you would minister to them and that you would help them to see how the resurrection of Jesus changes whatever they may be going through today. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, uh, kids can help us appreciate the glory of Easter afresh and anew. And uh, at one Easter pageant, uh, a five-year-old was just enthralled by uh, the scene of Jesus' crucifixion that took place, and he got really quiet during the crucifixion scene, and his eyes, uh, but, but then Jesus came out of the, came from, out from the grave, and there was this song of celebration in the pageant, and his eyes got big, and he said to his mom, he's, he's alive, mom, he's alive. At another church, a cartoon video of the crucifixion and the resurrection was shown to some kindergarten-age kids. And um, when Jesus was buried in the, um, the cartoon video, uh, one little boy who knew the story already very well turned to his other little buddy and he said, he's dead now, but he's going to be back again. <laughs> Indeed. Over several Sundays of um, leading up to Easter Day, we've been reflecting on uh, Jesus' seven statements as he hung uh, on the cross. Crosswords, uh, Jesus' statements before he died, is the title of the message series. But Jesus didn't stay dead, did he? We serve a risen Savior. And I thought it would be important today to reflect Um, on one more statement from Jesus. And this was a statement that he made after he died and rose again. This was a statement he made from the throne room of heaven instead of from an old rugged cross here on earth. This statement completed the story of the cross and gives us the right perspective as we celebrate Jesus' resurrection and all it should mean for us past, present, future. 
So let's look at that scripture together. It's in the last book of the New Testament, the book of Revelation, and I encourage you to get your uh, copy of the Bible out, whether you have it on your phone or whether you have uh, a, a, a book like mine. If you don't have a Bible with you, I encourage you to, to, to look at God's Word, uh, one of those blue Bibles in the pew rack in front of you there. Turn to the appropriate page. And I want to read Revelation chapter 1, beginning in verse 9, and then reading through verse 18, okay? So here we go. Here's God's word for us today. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, which was Sunday, on the Lord's day, I was in the spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining <coughs> in all of its brilliance. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. <coughs> Excuse me. Then he placed his right hand on me, and he said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. I call those last two verses and what we just read the word of the risen Christ. Jesus said, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am living forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. The risen Jesus appeared to one of his original disciples, John. Now, John was imprisoned at this time on the Roman Empire's version of Alcatraz Island in San Francisco Bay. <clears throat> you can visit the Isle of Patmos today as a tourist, but you wouldn't have done that back in the first century. Uh, the whole island, about 10 miles long by 6 miles wide, uh, and some 35 to 40 miles away from the mainland, was one big jail. And apparently the authorities considered John to be some kind of great threat to Roman rule. And so he'd been exiled to Patmos. And the Romans hoped that putting John in prison would show, would slow down rather, would slow down the growth of, of the Christian faith, which has spread like one of those forest fires you see out west in the 60 to 70 years after Jesus rose from the dead and ascended back to heaven. 
And Jesus wanted John to share some great and encouraging news with his followers in seven churches located in what is now Turkey. And we read about those in our passage today. And it was great. It was encouraging news back then. And it is still encouraging and great news for Jesus' followers this morning. What, what Jesus said reveals at least three great facts that we can celebrate about the risen Christ today. Here's the first one. The risen Christ is eternally majestic. He's eternally majestic. How many of you this morning would like to see Jesus face to face and in person? I, I know I would. Sure. But we ought to be careful what we ask for. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, you see, uh, uh, John had seen Jesus face to face as one of, the, one of his disciples. But on this occasion, the Bible says what? It says what? When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. Huh. When, when we think of seeing Jesus face to face and in person, we, we tend to think of him as he might have appeared in the Gospels. Human, humble, kind, gentle, approachable. Jesus didn't look that way in Revelation chapter 1. And uh, being face to face with Jesus and in person filled John with so much fear and dread and terror that he collapsed on the ground. He was utterly, completely overwhelmed by what he saw. And, and Revelation has a very different take on Jesus. Um, I don't think that it claimed that this is how Jesus literally looks today. I mean, there's a whole lot of imagery and symbolism in how Jesus was portrayed in what we read earlier. But I do think the Bible is revealing to us that Jesus is eternally majestic beyond our very limited comprehension of him. And we're apt to forget that Jesus' time here on earth was a very small parenthesis, 33 years or so, in the eternal lifespan of the Son of God. And yes, when Jesus literally walked on the earth, he was indeed limited. He was humble. He was fully and genuinely human. And when he suffered and died on the cross, he did experience weakness and humiliation willingly on our behalf. And we love all that about Jesus, and we should. We should. But before he was born in Bethlehem, and after he ascended back to heaven following his mighty resurrection, Jesus, the Son of God, was eternally majestic. And his eternal majesty and incomprehensible glory is just as true and should be just as precious to us today. So what? Why, why is that important? Here's why. Because all of us have a tendency to create a Jesus in our own image. A Jesus that is manageable, a Jesus that we can control instead of the true, the genuine Jesus as he is. Kevin DeYoung has reminded us that Jesus, well, he's very popular in America, but not every Jesus is the real Jesus. Um, 
Kevin has observed, for instance, that there's the Republican Jesus. He's against tax increases and activist judges. He's for family values and owning guns. There's the Democrat Jesus. He's against Wall Street and Walmart for reducing our carbon footprint and for printing money. There's the therapist Jesus who helps us cope with life's problems, heals our past, tells us how valuable we are and not to be so hard on ourselves. There's open-minded Jesus who loves everyone all the time, no matter what, except for people who are not as open-minded as you. There's touchdown Jesus who helps athletes run faster and jump higher than non-Christians and determines the outcomes of Super Bowls. There's gentle Jesus who was meek and mild with high cheekbones, flowing hair, walked around barefoot, wore a sash while looking kind of German. There's yuppie Jesus who encourages us to reach our full potential, reach for the stars, and buy a boat. There's spirituality Jesus who hates religion, churches, pastors, priests, and doctrine, and would rather have people out in nature finding the God within while listening to ambiguously spiritual music. There's revolutionary Jesus who teaches us to rebel against the status quo, stick it to the man, and blame things on the system. There's boyfriend Jesus who wraps his arms around us as we sing about his intoxicating love. There's good example Jesus who shows you how to help people and change the planet and become a better you. So who is Jesus to you this Easter day? Is he, is he just kind of a faraway figure, a first century fantasy? Is he someone who helps you when you have a problem but you ignore him otherwise like um, dashboard Jesus? Is he someone who, who snuggles up to you and makes you feel all happy inside? When, when we see Jesus as he truly is, folks, we're more likely to fall at his feet as though we were dead, not engage in a cozy snuggle with him. And John saw a Jesus who is mind-blowing, dramatically powerful, eternally majestic, every day, all day. Notice how Jesus described himself here. Don't be afraid, I am the first and the last. I am the living one. That's quite a self-declaration, isn't it? Nothing particularly humble about that. This is who he is. And, and Jesus claimed he is God there. He, he's never known a beginning. He will never know an end. He begins and he ends all things. He, he demonstrates himself here as both creator and consummator. All things were made by Jesus. All things find their ultimate fulfillment in him. His statement here is another way of saying, I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, the almighty one. And, and this Jesus is not a reflection of our culture. He's not a projection of our own desires. He is Lord and he is God. He is the Father, Son, the substitute for our sins, Savior of the world, the one who lives forever, and the one who is more loving and more holy and more wonderfully terrifying 
than we ever thought possible. St. Augustine pretty well nailed it with this observation. Christ is not valued at all unless he is valued above all. Pretty much says it, doesn't it? My friend, make sure that you celebrate the right Jesus this Easter day. The one who is eternally majestic. Revelation 1 helps us to celebrate a second and uh, great fact about Jesus, the risen Christ. The risen Christ is my prophet, priest, and king. Let's break that down. You know, in the Old Testament, um, three primary leadership positions emerged as being all important among God's people, the Jews. They were prophets, priests, kings. And uh, in Revelation 1, Jesus is not referred to as prophet, priest, and king explicitly, no, but it does seem to be the point of much of the imagery and symbolism in how Jesus is depicted there. And, And normally, the three offices of prophet, priest, and king were distinct from each other with no overlap. In other words, a a king was never meant to be a priest or a prophet. Um, uh, A a priest never functioned as a prophet and a king, and a prophet simply did a prophet's job without trying to be either a king or a priest. But Jesus, the risen Christ, perfectly fills all three of those roles simultaneously. He is the prophet, the priest, the king, to the great blessing of the world as well as to you and to me personally. So what's the role of a prophet? Well, a prophets were, were tasked with speaking God's word to people in the Old Testament. This included both proclaiming God's truth to others and revealing God's plans for the future. Well, Jesus is the one who brings God's truth to you and to me. And, and, and we know that Jesus did this in his earthly ministry, right? I mean, uh, the people of Jesus' day referred to him as a prophet on many occasions. Uh, Jesus taught the word of God, and the people were amazed at his authority. Uh, much like the Old Testament prophets, Jesus foretold future events. Why he, he, even, he even foretold his own death and resurrection. He was a prophet. And the imagery in Revelation 1 that best underlined Jesus as prophet is found first in verse 14. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like flames of fire. A head with white hair conveyed the idea of wisdom and dignity. Blazing eyes underlined the penetrating insight of the one who is sovereign over all of human history and humanity itself. And then in verse 16, also pointed to Jesus as the prophet. A sharp, two-edged sword came from his mouth. The sword in Jesus' mouth symbolized uh, the power and the force of his message. His words were sharp, they were penetrating. They cut right through our defenses and pretenses with his truth. Uh, Jesus doesn't just speak God's word as a merely human prophet. He is himself the word of God made flesh. And he is God's final and best message, the ultimate revelation of God. The Bible says long ago God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. 
And so the risen Christ is the ultimate prophet. But here's the question I want to ask you. Is he your prophet this morning? Is he your prophet this morning? What was the role of a priest? Well, Old Testament priests uh, served as mediators between human beings and God. It was the priest who offered sacrifices on behalf of the people. A priest was someone who himself had access to God, who opened the way for others to come to God, and no one has filled that role better than Jesus, the risen Christ. He is the one who enables you and me to enter into the presence of God. And part of the imagery described, uh, describing the risen Christ there in Revelation 1 was meant to remind us of the garments worn by the high priest in the Old Testament. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. Who wore clothes like that? The high priest. And then the Bible goes on to say there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. The Bible also says we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. And so because Jesus is our high priest, we can come before God boldly this day and every day, knowing that Jesus has true compassion for us and that through him we're going to experience the grace and the mercy of God. And so the risen Christ is the ultimate prophet. He's also the ultimate priest. The question I want to ask you this morning, is he your priest this Easter day? Well, what was the role of a king, a king? Well, in the Old Testament, the king was the one who had ultimate authority and power. He he ruled over God's people. He protected them from any and all enemies. And Jesus, the risen Christ, is the one to whom God has given all power and all dominion forever. And again, the clothing that Jesus wore in Revelation 1 indicated a person of great dignity, great authority. In addition, it says there, his eyes were like flames of fire, his feet were like polished bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. And, you know, fire is associated with judgment. Bronze is symbolic of permanence and stability. And a thundering voice, well, that pointed to authority. This is someone large and in charge, folks. And the risen Christ said to his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. The Bible says about Jesus post-resurrection, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And a bit later, right in this same book of Revelation, we learn that Jesus was given this title, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. You know, we're not too familiar with a monarchy in our country, are we? But most kingdoms who have a king, they will do everything to protect their king. You know, this is actually the premise of the game of chess, for example, I mean, when the king falls, you lost the game, right? The, uh, the kingdom is lost. 
Therefore, you, you, you've got to protect the king at all costs. British Prime Minister Winston Churchill desperately wanted to watch the Allied invasion of Nazi-occupied Europe on D-Day from the bridge of a battleship in the English Channel. And U.S. General uh, Dwight Eisenhower was desperate to stop Churchill from doing this. Um, he did not want the prime minister getting killed in battle. And Eisenhower finally had to appeal to a higher authority, Great Britain's King George VI, the father of the current queen. And the king told Churchill that if, if it was the prime minister's duty to witness the invasion, well, then he had to conclude that it was also his duty as the king to join him on the same battleship. Well, Churchill reluctantly agreed to back down because he knew that he could never expose the king of England to such danger. That's how it works in this world. But you know something? King Jesus did exactly the opposite, didn't he? With royal courage, he surrendered his body to be crucified. On the cross, he offered a king's ransom, his life for the life of his people. He would, he would die for all the wrong things that we had ever done and would do, completely atoning for all of our sins. The crown of thorns that was meant to, to be a mockery of him actually proclaimed his, his kingly dignity, even in death. And so the risen Christ, is he's the ultimate king. But, again, is he your king this Easter day? Make sure, my friend, that you celebrate the right Jesus this Easter day. He is prophet, priest, and king. Revelation 1 helps us celebrate a third great truth about Jesus, the risen Christ today. Here it is. The risen Christ has conquered death forever. The risen Christ has conquered death forever. Here again what else Jesus said to John. I am the living one. I died. But look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. Now, folks, death is an inescapable part of life. Over one million Americans have died of COVID since the beginning of the pandemic. Another five million around the world have died of COVID as well. Those who do statistics estimate, get this though, I mean, just that's one number, but get this. People that do statistics estimate that over 166,000 people die around the world every day from one cause or another. That's, that's around 60 million people that die every year around the world. And folks, the fact is that one day and one year in the future, you and I are going to be a part of those statistics. Death is inevitable. It's inescapable. How do you feel about that? I've never been able to understand those people who say, well, I don't believe in any kind of an afterlife. You know, when you're dead, you're dead. You just go out of existence and there's no awareness of anything anymore. Really? I mean, if, if people really believe that, I honestly don't know how they get up and function every day. 
How do you do it? The thought of just going out of existence forever leaves me feeling paralyzed with dread, with fear. Do you know what the Bible says about that? For only as a human being could he, Jesus, die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. And as a result of his resurrection, Jesus, you know, he, he didn't eliminate death and dying, did he? No. Um, one day the Bible says that he will do even that, yes, but not just yet. You and I will still die, but he did change death forever. The power of death is the fear that it creates in your heart and mind. And the devil loves to exert that power against us by filling us with anxiety and, and, and dread about death and dying. But Jesus destroyed that power when he rose from the dead. It's no longer the end of everything. Yes, it still happens. But Jesus has changed. He's transformed it into a door or a gate from this life into a new life. Now, Jesus made it very plain in what he said here, that he did, in fact, experience physical death on the cross. He was as dead as dead could be when they laid his body in the tomb. The Roman soldiers did not fail to do their job well. Jesus was not pretending. Jesus most definitely died. But now he was, and he is alive. Furthermore, he is alive again, forever, eternally. That means that he will never experience death again. Now, you remember that Jesus raised his friend Lazarus from the dead, right? But Lazarus died again some years later. Not Jesus. Not Jesus. He, he didn't rise from the dead just to die again. When he fully experienced death as a human being, he forever conquered it as the Son of God. And the victory that, that Jesus won over sin and death, it was a permanent, it was a forever victory, folks. But you know, that there's, there's some more good news in Jesus' statement, especially for you and me this morning. Jesus also said here that he now holds the keys of death and the grave. Now, your translation of the Bible, in fact, it was the one that I read out of my translation this morning. It might use the word Hades there rather than the word grave. So what was Hades? Well, it, it meant different things to different people. People in the first century thought of Hades as the place where your soul or spirit goes after it's been separated from your body at death. Uh, for some Christians, it was the place where your spirit resided until Jesus resurrected your body. For other Christians, it was the place where only the spirits reside of those who had rejected Jesus in this life. But don't, don't, don't get hung up on the exact meaning of Hades. Don't lose the forest for the trees. Here's what Jesus was saying. I am now completely and absolutely in charge. I forever control everything that has to do with dying, the experience of death, and what happens to you and where you go after you die. 
That's, that's what it meant to have the keys to something. Whoever has the keys has ultimate power, has the final say. Jesus is the keeper of the gate into the afterlife. And he alone locks and unlocks the door into either heaven or hell. You thought the devil was the Lord of hell? Think again. The, the devil never did have the power to determine life or death. And he isn't even the Lord of hell itself. Jesus was, Jesus is, Jesus will be. And folks, you can be sure that Jesus is never going to let the devil borrow those keys. He's got those keys forever. So what's, what's the big takeaway for you and for me this Easter day? The Bible says, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have God's Son does not have life. There is no need for you as a follower of Jesus to fear death. Experience it? Yes. Fear it? No. Jesus is the living one who has conquered death and holds it in his power. It's, it's kind of like someone whispering to you that they know the secret way out of some dungeon where you've been imprisoned. Look, I've, I've got the keys. I know the way out of here. There's nothing more to worry about. And because death can no longer affect Jesus, it can no longer affect you or me permanently. Jesus was there the day that you were born. Jesus will be there the day that you die. And Jesus will still be there every day of your eternity and mine. Like Jesus said, since I live, you also will live. On the last Saturday of October, back in 2010, the Opera Company of Philadelphia gathered together 650 choir members across 28 different participating organizations in order to perform what they called a random act of culture. Well, where did this happen? Well, it happened in the big Macy's down, down, uh, downtown store in Center City, Philadelphia. And um, accompanied by the Wanamaker organ, which is the largest pipe organ in the world, these 650 singers infiltrated this big store spread around and then all together they did a pop-up version of the Hallelujah Chorus. And I've watched this video several times. I don't know why, folks, but I get choked up every time I watch it. And I've tried to figure out why I get choked up. I think this is the reason. I think it's the fact that they're singing this wonderful song about the majesty of Christ and who he is. And it's not in a cathedral. It's not in a church. It's in the, about the most secular place you can imagine. It's a department store, right? And we're reminded, folks, that, you know, in this room and in other churches and cathedrals and across our nation around the world, 
Jesus is a big deal and the resurrection is a big deal and, 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 and you know, Easter day is a big deal. But you know as well as I do that for most of the people outside of this building today, Jesus is irrelevant. The resurrection is irrelevant. Easter is irrelevant. But that video is kind of like a foretaste because my Bible tells me that there's coming a day. Oh, there is coming a day when every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords to the glory of God the Father. And you and I, we have the privilege of sharing that Jesus, not just on Easter Day with those who don't know him yet, but on every other day. So I want you to watch the video. I want you to sing along and enjoy.
happens every time. <laughs> oh, that day is coming. It's coming. And this Easter day, I want you to hear again the word of the risen Christ. Don't be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death in the grave. The risen Christ is eternally majestic. He is my prophet, my priest, my king. And he's conquered death forever. Happy, happy Easter. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this wonderful message and the opportunity to rejoice again in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we look forward to that day when every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that you're King of kings and Lord of lords. We want to do it today and every day until you return or you take us home. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. tuning in to the Carl Road Baptist Church podcast. We hope you found something that can be applied to your life today and into the future. You can always watch our past services or see them live on YouTube, Facebook, and our website at www.carlroadbaptist.org. That's Carl with a K-A-R-L, roadbaptist.org. If you search YouTube or Facebook, look for Call Road Baptist Church, and don't forget to subscribe or follow us if you are watching via a service that allows that so you can stay up to date and notified when another episode is ready for you to watch or listen to. Thanks again for sharing your time with us and putting in the effort to maintain your relationship with God. Have a fantastic week, and we look forward to growing alongside you in the future with the next episode of the KRBC Podcast.